Three, two, one, and we're not with Dan this week. All right, he has officially left me. Um, there's nobody here apart from me. I'm joking. Um, Dan's actually not on this show because I've got to record with two of my uh, good friends from my gym and guys I've wanted to have on for a while because they're both... I just bantered with them a little bit before the show and they're well over 40 years worth of coaching, doing educational stuff, boxing, all this stuff. And I actually went on their course a long time ago. Um, but I'm going to bring them in now because I'm going to talk to myself for a while. But is Greg Williams and Kathy Brown. What's going on, guys? Hi. Hello. <laughs> Dan doesn't want to be here because he's scared of our knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> so behind, Pete behind the curtain, both but of these people... Team Box, which had nothing really to do with boxing. And then it's like, <laughs> you know, we rip into him too much. <laughs> Dan is a little bit scared of Kathy and Greg, I'm not going to lie, so that's probably why he's not here. He does know them both very well as well. So, um, so I remember these... when Dan did his first boxing class with me at Marlborough. Oh, fuck yeah, that would have been reminiscent. He, yeah, you know, when, when, we, uh, when we first, I mean, me and Dan started at Marlborough like within about, I don't know, three weeks of each other, and then he had to go, I do, had to do like a gymnastics class. Fucking yeah. Martin just put me, I was the most least agile person ever. And then Dan had to do a boxing class, never thrown a punch in his life. He yeah. Just like, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't punch his way out of a wet paper bag. <laughs> there you go, you're coach, Dan. So that's fine. <laughs> Fucking good at arguing, though, isn't he? Mouthy cunt, but yeah, he's fine. Um, right, so we've got you guys on. So the, I think. I've been I've been talking about getting you guys on for a while, and also when I talked, I'm pretty sure I reviewed the boxology course before, and also the main reason why I brought them on because Kathy asked me for a review of the course to write, and I said it'd just be better just to come on and talk to a few thousand people yeah. instead would probably be the better way of doing this. So I think I hope, I'm just lazy. To be honest. I'd rather talk <laughs> than write. So yeah, that's that's absolutely fine. Um, yeah. So what well, I guess our audience who don't know who you are um what have you been doing what's your place in the fitness industry um how long you've been coaching and what are you doing right now should i go first so um i got i was i started i got into the fitness industry in 1992 um i started doing kickboxing and um i progressed on to boxing professionally in 1998 got i was the second woman to get professional boxing license in the uk so I got a professional license then and fought for 10 years as a pro. Got well, actually since probably less than that, nine years as a pro. I got the British and European title, got ranked number three in the world. And it was obviously back in the day when women just, it, kickboxing was quite big, but boxing as a professional was, was nothing in this country. It was huge in Germany and France and Italy and America, but the UK was really, really behind. So obviously it was a, a massive fight for me to get onto shows, never mind get paid for anything like that. So obviously during that time I qualified to become personal trainer and then I just advanced sort of my education, did lots of strength and conditioning education. When I finished retiring from boxing, obviously it hit me quite hard that I wasn't allowed to fight anymore and punch people in the face. That was a bit of a heartbreaker. That's what Greg's for, it's fine. I don't know, I'm quite <laughs> Greg and now I've calmed down again. <laughs> So then I studied cognitive behavioural therapy and sports psychology because I needed to understand what was going on in my head before I um, went a bit crazy. Um, and also a lot of people were coming to me for boxing who were from stressful either jobs or lifestyles and they needed just to sort of be taken away from their life just for like an hour. And sometimes they, you know, they open up to you, as you know, even with clients with strength and conditioning, that people will open up to you naturally. With boxing, it's a, it seems to be a, a quite a natural way to sort of release a lot of tension verbally and physically. So it was, it went hand in hand for me because I was, I was putting both cognitive behavioural therapy together with boxing, giving them some stuff to go and do, some homework to bring back. Some days they didn't want to talk, some days they did. So, and. Sort of, I progressed on from there, then doing the strength and conditioning with in regards to fighters. So, obviously, it, I've got all three there that we try and work on together for sure. Yeah, how about you, Greg? What's going on? 
so I started getting involved with uh, martial arts and combat sports from a really early age. My dad got me into it. He just wanted me to be able to look after myself and, if need be, defend myself. Growing up in Essex, you know, <laughs> um, and I fell in love. Bear in with mind it. that I'm from Essex as well, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> I was not taught how to throw a punch. <laughs> The first time by you guys, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I fell in love with the Japanese uh, arts from an early age, uh, from Shotokan Karate right the way through to Judo, Aikido. My dad and my brothers, they all competed for Great Britain, uh, represented Great Britain in the Commonwealth Youth Olympics um, for Judo. But for me, what stuck with me was the kicking and striking arts. So um, Muay Thai, I fell in love with that through an old trainer of mine called Terry Buttle from the East End, who now lives in Thailand. And that just transferred into into what I do now with boxology and what I've done with working in the fitness industry. So I've worked for Holmes Place, worked for Virgin, uh, I've worked for uh, Cannons, you know, I've worked for some of the biggest chain groups and obviously now third space for the last eight years so in total started working in the fitness industry from the age of 16 working with youth schemes as an instructor um you know leisure centers in the private and the, and the public sector for 21 years now and it helps obviously with that knowledge working with the private sector that we're working with now um yeah so very very long time uh, and 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 still very passionate about it. Still, still enjoy what we do. That's very true. Though the thing is, is because you we love what we do, like just love it. So I mean, gosh, I've been I'm 48 now, so I've been working in a long time, and I still love it as as much as I did, if not more so now than I did when I first started. I think that's massive in the fitness industry. Realizing that I think there's a lot of people that switch over as well to find a love. That obviously we you know I've got listeners that. Yeah, that kind of, and we've got like clients as well that have gone, oh yeah, yeah I really get into it at a, a kind of later stage, like the 30s, 35s, yeah. and then they'll start switching. We've seen PTs coming at that that age and then been like, yeah, I've just, I've been sat behind a desk and now I want to do it. But exactly. yeah, it does, does drive a passion as well. So essentially why I'm in it as well, just to help, help bring everything up as well. Um, so I think... The beauty of it though is with all of us as well is that because we're um we've I think a lot of personal trainers um who qualified when I qualified don't ever really go on any other education courses or don't expand their mind. Obviously with with us it's it's about with me and I've kept that passion going because I've I've tried to keep on top of the game with that, what's current in, in the fitness industry and training and strength and conditioning and psychology side of it and I think that's it keeps it fresh as well. Yeah, don't get me wrong, but people who are trying to do that, it's super hard to keep it. And it's it's sometimes a motivation factor even to just to keep researching up what are people doing now when they're coming in. Because I'm yeah. sure when, so Greg was there when I first started and he probably thought me and Dan were doing some fucking stupid stuff when uh, we, <laughs> we were just like, and my training has totally changed from when I first started, uh, when Greg probably saw me. To now, I know, I know it has because we were both from pro football, thinking that pro footballers could move like our general clientele. We're like, shit, they can't, can they? All right, wonderful. Um, yeah, but it's amazing how that progression's happened. But if you're looking back into, so if we deep back into your boxing like parts, because yeah. I think what a lot of our, I know there's some of our audience uh, do a prepping. I know there's one guy that is prepping for a white collar fight who does listen because he's reached out to me before and he, I used to train him. Um, so Bradders, if you're looking out, just t get in touch with Greg and Kathy because they'll actually give you some fucking tips. Um, but <laughs> what I'd like to see, like what do you think has been the biggest drivers for when you were both, well, when you were fighting in like, so Kathy have made professionally, what has been the biggest uh, drivers for you to make sure you be the best you can be? You talk about like European and British champions. How how what were you driving towards to get there? Basically, over your nine year pro career. I think um, I mean, God, it took me many many years of um, self discovery and studying psychology and uh, um, to kind of realise where my drive came from. In fact, I, I, the guy who enlightened me was a guy called Matthew Saeed. When I read his book, Bounce, and I, I bought the book because he was doing a lecture for Third Space, actually. 
and I bought his book because I was going to argue with him, and it was about nurture nature. <laughs> so I bought the she book. Bought ten, <laughs> ten books. Ten books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she yeah. bought ten books. No, hold on. And when he stood in front of her, she said, "Sign them all, please." <laughs> no, I one book to read first, and um, because I said, "Look, I'm adopted, for example." Um, my um, adopted parents who brought me up are not into sport, never have been. I wasn't brought up in a sporting environment. Um, so I was thinking that it was a genetic thing that I was led to sport and I was good at sport and I had this drive for sport and to succeed. But after reading Matthew Said's book about nurture nature, it actually was a, quite an enlightenment for me because it's life that gives you that drive. And I'd spoken to Matthew Said in the lecture and said, I bought these books to sign. But I actually bought the book to, to read because I was going to argue with you. And I explained my situation about being adopted and et cetera, et cetera. And it, it became quite apparent that actually the adoption side of it made me feel that I wasn't really worthy to be here. And I always felt that I had to prove my existence. And it almost gave me this inner drive to be able to prove myself. And then later on in life, I got into, and I'm quite open about it, I got into an abusive relationship when I was 16 with an older guy. And because of that, that drove me to um, try and get some self-respect because I had none, I had no self-worth. And so I, I, that's when I got into kickboxing. And um, I think the two together with the, 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 um, the drive to succeed and to prove myself mixed with the fact that I'd been in an abusive relationship and I never was going to be bullied like that ever again by anybody, man or woman. Uh, that then obviously led me into boxing and I think the two went together just to sort of, I wanted to be the best, basically. Yeah. Greg, you've obviously worked in and around a lot of like elite fighters as well. Do you think that kind of mimics what Kathy's just been describing in their yeah. kind of capacity? Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've worked with, um, you know, Commonwealth, European, British champs and potential world champions and world champions. And they've all had that same, I'd say Kathy's probably not just saying it because I'm sitting next to her and she's my wife, but I'd say mentally, <laughs> she, does, you <laughs> she probably does have one of the, the, the strongest mindsets I've ever met in any human being. And I've met a lot of humans and she is very, very strong minded and, and her willpower is, is, is unbelievable. And, one fighter, I won't, I won't say who he was, but I mean, to me, he, he, he had a great engine. He was European. He was uh, British and world level um, standard at professional boxing. And he said to me, when I asked him for 100, 110%, he said, there's no such thing. Um, and, and it, but he'd already, he had achieved a lot. But in my eyes, there, there is always that extra 1%. There is always that extra bit than you expect yourself to give. Yeah. Um, and that's why everybody needs a good coach because we can push you that bit further every single time. Um, what gave me my drive to be good at, or, you know, potentially good at what I do is um, my coach, when I had my first fight, uh, I stopped fighting because I, I, my coach must have triggered something off in me because it was a bit like, this will make you laugh, it was a bit like watching Karate Kid and the last fight when the Cobra Kai, the opposition, turns around and says to him, take the leg out and destroy his leg. My coach said the same thing to me, in, 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 not in the roundabout words, but he said the same thing to me because most of my team had been disqualified because we come from a background where we were able to kick below the waist as a tie boxing but we was in a kickboxing competition where we kick above the waist. And he asked me, because, because he was fed up with the way the referees were and some of the fighters had been disqualified for kicking below the waist, he asked me to take my opponent out completely by just taking his legs out. And I refused, in my mind, I refused to do that. And I walked away with a trophy. And he must, in my eyes, he triggered something, in my mind, he triggered something off about coaching. Yeah. So from that point onwards, I wanted to be the best coach, not the best fighter. And on, a fight, on a fighting point of view, um, you cannot be a good fighter if you haven't got a drive and you haven't got a why, you haven't got a reason. That's where when, when, when shit gets on top in the ring and you're getting battered, if you haven't got that 
ability to dig yourself out of that deep hole and that comes from something really deep inside that doesn't just come from I'm going to go to the gym and I'm, I'm really skillful and I'm just going to punch stuff and I look really good and yeah right and spa when things are going easy it's when when things are getting tough and you're dragging your face along the floor is to get yourself up and, and but that has to come from deep inside there's 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 no other way of putting it there's no other good athlete out there who can push themselves who I don't I who haven't been through stuff in life. Yeah, for sure. That brings me basically kind of what you've just laid out perfectly into talking about barriers, really, because basically you've described, Greg, I think is more like a mental trigger, but a mental barrier that you were like, I'm not willing to cross that line to do that. And that's where my ethical status stands. Um, do you think, especially from, maybe from, obviously you're not a, you're not a woman, Greg, so I can ask this to Kathy, but <laughs> women in... <laughs> I don't know, but um, obviously I was speaking to you before, like women in S&C, women in sport, it's it's great to talk about when you, especially, in, I mean, my, I'm not an educated view of boxing, but Greg can be, basically my eyes for this, but making it in women's boxing, especially when you did, there must have been some barriers, say socially, physically and mentally that you had to overcome. And even probably, like you said, there wasn't, and probably like cash wise, there wasn't economically, it wasn't viable as well. So from the outside in Greg's, if can you describe what you think Kathy might have felt or what you kind of felt that was happening? Um, yeah. I've seen it. I've, I've been in front so of, uh, in front of say, yeah. I've been in front of a uh, group of, well, people from House <laughs> of Lords and common, you know, um, parliament and uh, it was a birthday party for Frank Warren. And um, his 30-year celebration within boxing. And previously, I hadn't been with Kathy when they've had sexist rows in the press. And I hadn't seen her reaction. And I'm sitting there and he's announced every male boxer in the room but her. Yeah. And there was a few others that, in the room that knew me from previous gyms I'd worked in. And they saw my reaction, my face change when he got up and it was Q&As at the end of the night. And... We had some funny characters on our table. We had characters from Hello, Hello, Hello and Dad's Army and all this sort of thing. And he got up on stage and this guy got up and went, now you've uh, you got your own TV station called Box Nation. And the Olympics is around the corner and women are going to be on TV for the first time in boxing. Are you going to publicise any of that when they turn pro? And he went, well, you know, don't really believe in that sort of stuff because, you know, and he even disagreed with women's tennis coming from a, 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 a female, uh, you know, a female sport, um, tennis. He disagreed in that as well. And I, I, I just, I couldn't hold my tongue. And I just said, I don't really think you understand what you're saying, but in case those that didn't know, in the room right now, we have the, we have the, the current, well, the former British and European flyweight champion, and she's, you know, just happens to be ranked number three in the world which is more than some of the male boxers in the room that were known, but it was more than what they'd achieved. And, he, uh, and I didn't want it to be all about us, but everyone got up and applauded. And, and he was like, oh, I didn't really realise he was there, but he, he did, did. But he did. And the thing is, <laughs> so many public arguments, but he now promotes women's boxing yeah. because there's money in it. You've got like Katie Taylor and all the Olympians coming through. Nicola but that's been this because he sees the money coming through. So... So the now, answer. now as a business, he, he, he hasn't got a problem with it. Yeah. But I know that I'm doing an interview um, with a, a guy who's writing a book on, on the sexism of female boxing at the minute. Yeah. And he's actually, he's approached Maloney and Frank Warren and um, actually he's got all the quotes that I've given him. And there's another lady called Jane Couch has given him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see his remarks on that now, sort of years down the line. 100%. Hopefully he might have been educated and changed his view. Um we can we can pray if he started money doing talk, it. So money, money, does, money does talk. So yeah, I haven't been paid much to fight, and um, nobody. I didn't get any sponsorship. Hence, why I start working at Third Space because um, I used to be a forensic photographer doing photographing dead people, and then I give that up. What? To, um, I think that's what I used to do. Oh used, wow, Jesus Christ! I used to do forensic. <laughs> I used to photograph murder scenes and GBH, ABH victims and drug raids, all sorts of stuff. I was on the riot team taking pictures so it was, it, I had a cool career but I give it all up when I got my professional boxing lessons because I wanted to give mm. everything started to work for third space a couple of years later because I, I wasn't getting paid enough 
to fight. So I had to work full time whilst I was training for world title fights and selling tickets and paying for my opponents to come over from Europe because they weren't there wasn't anyone for me to fight in the UK. Yeah. So it was it was a lot of barriers. There's, people wouldn't even let me train in their gyms because the gym. Oh, sorry, love. It's just for men. She does actually have accommodation from the police for service that she's done with a, a yeah. particular royal member of the family. So <laughs> she's done a lot when it comes to forensics. <laughs> I mean, it's great, like all the barriers that essentially we hope now are being broken. But it's still there's a long way to go. But also, the fitness industry is. is Still very similar. It's still very boys' club in the fitness world as well. Strength and condition. I've got to say, because I've got, I've had even in the non-boxing related, but just in in the gym environment with certain things, it, I've always had more barriers put in front of me, and I still have to fight for any, everything. Yeah. Um, if I want to get something, it's not. It's like, oh God, here we go again. I've got to fight for it. Um, and I can see male peers around me getting easier sort of hand ups to get there. So. Again, I think fitness industry sport in general is still very much a boys' club, and um, you know, I was in. It's not. It's not about equality. It's about equity. I was reading the other day, and it's about. It's about you know. We, we sometimes someone needs a little bit of a prop up yeah. more than others. You know. I mean, we we hope it's going in the right direction. I mean, with like obviously the gender pay gap, all that kind of stuff. We that that doesn't exist in first base, obviously. Yeah. No. So, which is which is. Absolutely, it has to be transparent and fantastic. So, um, which is great. But equally, with like some of the barriers and stuff, what both of your careers, there must be what are you proudest of, like highs moments that you've been like, shit, that's been great, either with clients or obviously competing wise. I mean, for me, competing wise has got to be when I was fighting for the world title in Germany against um, Regina Halmich, and it was um, I was very much an underdog. Um, I was expected to get knocked out, even though I've never been knocked out in my entire life. Of <laughs> even my by Greg? Just what I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> Got quite a good chin. <laughs> and it was, I went out to Germany and it was, um, was 5,000 people there. And they were just booing when I came out. And, and I had to stand to the UK national anthem. And like I didn't get any support from the UK, but I was just really proud anyway. Yeah, for sure. And I fought like an absolute trooper all the way. We were solid 10, 10 rounds solid. I mean, I didn't get the decision because she was, you know, in Germany, she was German. And, but it didn't bother me so much. It was that I know my performance was that my best performance ever um, in my whole boxing or kickboxing career. That had to be my best fight. Coming out of fighting, I think now I get my my pride from is from my clients. And I'm not being really cheesy when I say this. I mean, I've got a guy at the minute who's got cystic fibrosis. Um, he's one of my, my ones that I'm very proud of at the minute because the doctors are sent, telling him, I can't believe what the doctors are getting him to do. He's drinking four litres of milk. And I'm not a nutritionist, but I'm like, geez, you've got cystic fibrosis. You need to cut the milk and get the calories from something else. And I really helped him. And his, they were really shocked at his VO2 max. And he'd just come out of hospital from pneumonia. He'd been in there for months. And they were like, you can't go to the gym. And I said, look, yes, you can. And we're, obviously I'm very gentle with him and he's probably one of my proudest ones at the minute because he's really putting some effort in and he's just so much stronger and fitter um, and the doctors are actually quite amazed with his, you know, his VO2 max and actually what an amazing like difference there has been with him and another guy, he's just brought me a testimonial actually for third space just because he he's come off high blood pressure tablets even though the doctor said you're going to be on them for the rest of your life and he's not because we've done I've done relaxation stuff with him we've done boxing we've done like a controlled um, strength and conditioning workout and then he's off his blood pressure tablets and mm. off depressants so it's antidepressants so they're kind of what I thrive on nowadays is I don't care about celebs and stuff like that that doesn't bother me I really I just don't get it's nice because I work with Kelly Holmes quite a lot that's like my little kick that I just but I connect on her on a really deep level, um, yeah. and she's a really good person to train. But I don't like really shout about it loads because you know I've also a variety of my clients really make me proud. Hundred percent, Greg. How about yours? Uh, yeah, like like Kathy, I've I've got a few of those as well. And I suppose that when it comes into the sport of boxing, it's doing the S and C stuff for uh, Tony Oki. He won the prize fighter. Which is a light heavyweight uh, in the light heavyweight category. Uh, eight fighters, seven fights, one winner. It's a knockout tournament in one night. Aired on Sky Sports, and he won that. We, you know, 
when I was his S&C coach, um, we had a great team. We had a great team. It, it, it was a shame the gym closed down in the end, but we had a TKO club uh, in Kennington, East, East London, and we had a fantastic little team. There was three of us, really, the main. And he had a nutrition as well. He used to do Lennox Lewis's uh, nutrition. So we had a really good setup, and it was a shame that it, it all came to an end. Um, but that was one of my proudest moments in boxing, I suppose. And at the time I was training him, I had David A and Nada Booth saying, look, we're going to get you out in Cyprus and do David's S&C stuff for the, the first deal that came through for the Vladimir fight. And that was with Satanta Spook. That all fell through, and I'm glad. Oh, yeah, Satanta, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that all... I nearly got a job doing a boxing commentary with them, and then they went bust. They like, went bust, didn't they? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And that's what, and, and then that fight fell through. So I was glad that did happen because it, it, it allowed me to continue with Tony Oki uh, and doing yeah, the prize fighter. Um, I've had a few successful clients, and that's unlicensed boxing uh, competitions. Uh, white street fighting, boxing. street fighting, Greg. You're just training people to street fight. Sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I've had a few successful clients, white collar fights. You know, that it's made you proud. It's Sixty years old, fifty years old. You yeah. know, the age. Obviously, is a factor, but um, you, it's it's a mental thing as well, and and it makes them feel like a million dollars when they've achieved, they've they've done the distance, they've done the three rounds or the three twos or whatever it is in a white collar, and they feel great. And the journey you take them on for that preparation is no different than what we would give a pro, and we we explain that to them, and we have them in the eighth or in the ninth week, they're crying. Because it's so physically straining and it's 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 uh, it's emotional, oh, yeah. challenging in the in the gym. I think with the white collar as well, we've I've, I've had a couple of guys who have popped down to my classes that have been trained um, by another white collar place that that specialise in white collar, and there's yeah. they maybe have about 40, 40 people in the class. Um, and they don't mind them wear head guards. They like train them twice a week for six weeks, six to eight weeks, and then they put them in and get them to fight. I mean, I think you've seen how we've worked. So, I mean, even just recently, I had two guys fighting. We had we had a good twelve weeks where it was solid. They had a strength and conditioning program. They were coming to boxing classes. They were we were getting them proper sparring. We were training them like they were we were training them for a pro fight because we want them to have that experience and we want them to be ready. We don't want them to get hurt. Yeah, so that, that brings me to one of the questions I've written down. If if you were to so people basically get out your notepads now if you ever want to do like a uh, a white collar box. What would you say? So twelve weeks out, yeah. How what would you start looking at if you were to give like one minute on nutrition, what would you start to look at? So obviously Obviously, you probably I've I've been at white collar matches and know there's like weight categories that you're picked against yeah. your men are be doing or whatever. Would you say you should start to come down in weight to try and get like where you are twelve weeks, or are you just going to stay there and kind of like if you're happy fighting at that weight? To be honest, um, normally what I do with those I, I I look at their diet and as long as it, it's balanced, they've got like I don't cut any carbs. They've got have they the carbs they need loads of yeah good yes. The protein, <laughs> and like all of the nutrition needs to be absolutely balanced. There's no, and what I do is, I kind of monitor how much they're drinking, and 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 just get an idea of their diary, like a food diary. I get them to eat basically what they're normally eating, as long as they're eating well. Yep. Um, I tend not to get them to cut because naturally, with the training that we're giving them, they're going to cut that weight. Um, anyway, yeah. Um, white collar is not as strict as a pro, and the fact that you don't have to be sort of like bang on. Um, you know, the kilos, and they kind of get people who are average around each other's weight. So, yeah. as long as that, to me, the, the the diet is is for energy and for repair, yeah. and that's basically the nutrition. Basically, yeah, because from the yeah. perspective I'd look at it, is they're fueling themselves for the training that they probably hadn't been doing anyway, so you're probably yeah. cracking onto there. So, with uh, say, if you've got twelve weeks up to a fight, give me a week by week basis, or maybe day by day. Um, how much? kind of S&C training you're doing and um, how much technical coaching you're doing in a week? Yeah, we've yeah got, it I've depends got on the individual because we are working with people. Let's just say, okay, so we've got five sites for the third space, which is where we work, and each site is slightly different due to demographic. So yeah. let's just say Cappy's based at Soho. I'm in between Canary Wolf, Marlebone and soon-to-be City Club on Monday. 
so we we were dealing we are dealing with office workers majority let's just say that so they have a nine till six or nine some of some work later because of time differences it's how often they can access the gym so sometimes we've got guys building up towards two visits to the club a day yeah probably three times to four times a week and then maybe nearer to the time like nearer to the fight they obviously they're, they're they've got to cut volume intensity or frequency um at one stage so towards tapering so it it does all depend on the individual just say for instance we've had colleagues personal trainers that are working with us they have more flexibility so we can we can also uh we can we can increase the volume we can increase the um the frequency so basically, with those types of people. it depends. It depends on their training history, and yeah. uh, as well for me, um, because we start them off generally on a, a, a like a, a strength program at the very beginning of the twelve weeks, just to work on basic sort of you know deadlifts, squats, but just heavier heavier stuff on the on the strength side. De- obviously, depending on their their training history, generally then we'll f- figure into like a, a, a more of a power um, program nearer the nearer the time. So we'll get them, depends if the 12 weeks out, we'll probably get them to do like S-strength, depends on how long they've been doing it, for about four weeks, yeah. six weeks. And then we'll start tapering into sort of like the, the power explosion sort of work. Um, single arms, single arm work, a lot of single arm, single legged work. Yeah. Um, and then obviously we'll, we'll schedule that in maybe a couple of weight sessions a week and then definitely be five boxing sessions. So in the evening, it depends how much sparring, maybe two sparring sessions a week, um, and it depends on the roundage. So you might, they might just do four rounds, or they might do six rounds. They might do two-minute rounds or three-minute rounds, depending on how near the fight they are. So we'll start off on two-minute rounds, and then we'll sort of let, maybe just give them four rounds of sparring. So we'll just we'll sort of we'll build it up on the boxing side of it and then we'll sort of like bring the weights down a bit and then we'll sort of up the boxing so you, you kind of get this little graph that does this and also you we, we kind of see how their energy levels are so sometimes yeah. we actually don't do weights tomorrow we'll also pop in tablet sprints in there um a couple of times a week a couple of either rowing or running sprints as well so that we can sort of get that sort of recovery better. There's no, we don't do any sort of long, steady state cardio at all. That's old school. <laughs> that was bringing me on to a question. Yeah. So wait, 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 and then and then we touch on sparring as well because when we mention the word sparring, people think, oh, they're gonna, you know, they're they're they're, they're, they're getting in there and they're battering ten times the shit out of one another. It's not that. It's it's structured. So we might give them certain rolled scenarios. You're throwing this. You're defending. You're working on this. You're working on this. And you should always set out before a sparring session what you actually want to intend to work on. And I know in most gyms that, that goes out the window and then ego steps in. One bangs a bit harder than the other and it gets escalated. It gets higher and higher. There needs to be a mediation. So someone needs to oversee that sparring session and control it because otherwise the two boxers in there are just going to batter the granny out of one another and end up picking injuries up. And if we're working with those types of people like we are, office workers, they don't want to go back to the office with cuts, bumps and lumps and cuts and <laughs> hematomas and, and, and concussions. You know, So it's, it's, it needs to be really it's monitored. Head guards, gum shields, 16-ounce gloves and above, no 14-ounce gloves, no 12-ounce or 10 or 8s. Because that's just too. There's too less of a, a of a protection on the hand, as well as you're punching someone's face. We want a we want a big cushion hitting you in the face, rather than rather than almost it's, bare knuckle. It's basically it's about health and safety, and um, the safety aspect is like above everything else with us with our clients. I'll film every every single sparring session and put it onto a YouTube channel. Cool. I'll make them go away and watch it and come back and tell me what they've done right what they've done wrong what they what they found hard what they found easy so then the next session or the next pad session will work on the things that they're finding difficult so again it it changes so so, you know a couple of guys we were training i'm really like you know i've got a bit of a niggle in my car for example all right then we cut out this the sprints on the runner for a while and we change i change their weight routine around a little Mm. bit but generally um I suppose it's like off-season with any sport. Start with strength, and then you kind of infiltrate a bit more power, explosive work into the into the weights. 
Absolutely. Um, I mean, like what you've all just basically described there is, and with a, basically I want to talk about it now, is boxology and the fact that you're asking people to be smarter about what they're doing when they're coming towards boxing. And so boxology from a, a person that obviously this is Greg and Kathy's baby and I have been lucky enough to come and do it on the second one, I think. I was the sec- on the second. No, I was on the first, wasn't I? The first. The no, first. first. You did the first. I did the first ever course, yeah. <laughs> so, you were, you were, we knew we wanted you on because you, we knew you were going to be properly critical. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted we wanted solid feedback because we want to make our course the best course possible. I mean, so yeah, from from obviously my perspective, I run a lot of education workshops as well. So it was great to be invited on to Greg and Kathy's, and then um, obviously I reviewed it whenever I did it. it. Was go check that podcast. I definitely put it in the title. Um, so about I don't know, probably about forty back. Um, but what you've described there essentially what I got from you guys where you're trying to eradicate some of the some of the crap that goes on and some of the kind of pad work or one-to-one boxing coaching that probably isn't up to standard or up to, up to the standard that you think it should be and especially within a, a controlled environment that you we guys have really that we can start to manipulate and from a we're a smaller commercial gym really because we've only got five well we're really five sites so we've got a little bit more control Obviously, you're going to David Lloyd's. He's got there's this massive amount, but yeah. within our industry, there's, we know there's a lot of cowboys. We moan about the nutritionists on this podcast that heap like tons of weird information. S and C coaches that don't really know what they're doing, but the education is moving forward, and it's not it's not about being educated. It's about being re-educated and realizing that Kathy, probably when you went pro, that you're probably not doing. I'm going to say like 75% of the stuff that you were doing when you were training there, how you're doing it with your athletes now. God, yeah. So, I mean, and that was at a pro level, like Mm -hmm. 20 years ago, right? So, and I'm, I'm thinking that I, uh, there was obviously the European swimming championships has been going on at the moment and they're talking about Adam Peaty being the world's best and whatever. And the lad was talking about, um, he was a breaststroke guy, like a European champion previously. And he was like, so what makes Adam Peaty so good? He was like, well, my gym session was go on the gym weights and kind of just push the bench press a little bit and then do a bit of shoulder press. And then I was done. I did a circuit on the, like the resistance yeah. machines. And then I, he was like, and you were European champion. He's like, yep. We were like, wow, fucking hell. That was 20 years ago. So look how much we've moved on from there. Yes. But this is exactly what, from my perspective, what Greg and Kathy are trying to do with boxology is I know there have been pad work and boxing courses previously, but from the outside looking in, nothing's been done at this kind of detail. So I think you guys are going to be the better ones to talk about. Obviously, I did the beginner course. There's going to be three, as far as I know. Um, yes. So, got, yeah. I mean, with the beginner course, you've got, um, when you do the two-day beginner course, you've got, you get given a, a book, and the Boxology Beginner Book, which is um, quite so an extensive. A book, a book for everybody's doing understand. Called a book. <laughs> like it's called a hook, not a hook. When you punch someone in the face, really hard. So the the book basically is is it, it covers everything that we cover on the course and more. Um, so I found that a lot of courses that you go on, you're only retaining ten percent of information when you're going on these courses. This book here is obviously it, it's a reminder of of what you've done on the course, but also we have a beginner app which goes with it, which is over a hundred videos of all the technical stuff that you've done on the beginner course, um, which is which is up on the iOS and Android on there now. I've just finished writing the intermediate book, which has just been designed. I know I've got a, a couple of rewrites to do on, um, we've, we write a lot about periodization in the book as well, um, in the intermediate more so, about um, doing the different periods of getting a fighter ready and where to how to plan it and on over a 12 week period so i've covered that more on the intermediate side um we've got 100 and about 160 videos on the intermediate app which we're putting together now um so we've got the beginning and intermediate which will be up and running in september the advance will be next year and that's more for sparring and getting people really ready for fight in the interim period what we're doing is um it's called the boxology training notebook which is a, a a place to record all your training, your diet, um, your water intake. But all the, the difference between this and another app is that we're also monitoring your energy level, your mood level, how do you feel today, your energy, how much sleep have you had. So you can get a correlation between 
your performance, how you're feeling in the gym that day with your training and, and actually how much sleep you've had, for example, because you can actually make sense um, of sort of like your performance and whether it's, it's, it's getting better with more or less sleep, for example. And, and the reason we, 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 we had that drive to do that was not because there are lots of apps out there that offer similar things, but it was because the British Boxing Board of Control, they have this requirement for fighters, and white-collar boxers should do this as well, is you, you should log what you do in the gym every day because you'll come across hiccups, you'll come across bad sessions, you'll come across um, good sessions, you'll come across, well, how did I achieve that? You know, there'll be questions asked when you get after the fight, well, look back to what you did, um, what went wrong or what went right for you, and you've got that log there to be able to go, I did this or I did that, and I didn't drink enough on that day or I didn't drink enough for my weigh-in or, you know, I, I cut too much water for my weigh-in, um, you know, etc. So it, it is important that we have that logbook for safety aspects as well as performance aspects. 100%. It's just being smarter. I mean, anybody that trains with me and Dan prepping for shows or prepping for powerlifting meets knows that. I mean, I've done it previously, prepping for a powerlifting meet. And yeah, the, first, the first time I did it and I cut off about two and a half to three kilos in a week, panicking about my weight, lifted like shit. Brilliant. And then next time I was a lot better. But yeah, I mean, that's about all about an education system that you're trying to drive, right? So I think from people looking, obviously you've done it with uh, a lot of the third space guys and we're implementing it. Just people behind the curtain within third space, we're implementing it into our fucking education system because that's how much we're basically pushing this because you want to be the drivers of what we do. And it's basically a credible source. Um, so it's approved by us, which is which is decent, right? So and, uh, and, <laughs> and Simspa and Simspa, which yeah, approved by me is much better. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the Simspa stuff. Obviously, uh, there'll be uh, I guess a, a governing body that there's the kind of stuff that people look from outside. Obviously, you can give a shit about what I, I would say, but um, <laughs> if you're looking for that, there'll be a great time to go and do a boxing course. So what are the if what are the rivals out there that you know of that so are doing got, this kind of thing? Uh, box size, which box is size. which on our radar, and then you've got not, Ricky Hands Academy. Okay. Ricky Hands Academy. Uh, Ricky's a great guy, great boxer. Um, he's put his name to this pad work course, but again, it's totally against what we believe in 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 the respect of how you coach someone to fight. A lot of people now are publicising. Uh, this mythology bollocks, which is basically this speed pad work. Okay. Yeah. What, that, what that doesn't teach you is finding distance, full extension of punches, utilizing uh, the kinetic linking from the floor upwards because you're only doing half half the movement. So, you know, it's, it's not what we're teaching. And our aspects is not just about the boxer, it's about the coach. You know, it's about how can you add extra um tools to your to your to your training methods so um, and yeah. look after you look after yourself look after your health it's all down to genetics whether you are a boxer or whether you are the coach but from the interesting aspect of obviously i did the beginner course but the from a coach's point of view i learned because it was different because i was learning a new skill as well but what was laid out amazingly well was the fact that at some point i would be the boxer i was being coached and then immediately I'm flipped into being the coach. And I was like, all right, so I'm learning a new skill and also coaching. So obviously I was better at the coaching because I'm coaching. You've got to so. understand both aspects. <laughs> so that's the thing, and that's yeah. the thing with coaching. And that's why we've done the course that way, because you've got to be able to understand it from a boxer's point of view as well, of what it feels like to punch um, and, and feel the punches correctly, and then also how to... To feel it on the pads correctly as yeah 100% I think you've got got to be able to do that especially if I mean I'd advocate doing, doing it and just even just going going doing it twice one aspect has been a uh, I wonder if you could do that maybe take repeat offenders to come back on and maybe that's because when you're doing the level 2 course that, well, I don't know what I'm on about so you'd probably go do the intermediate course to upskill on some of the stuff but so learning as basically an athlete and learning as a coach but what would you say if you were to take away like three things, what are people learning from your two-day beginner workshop if they're coming in fresh, never coached boxing before, but they want to do it with their clients? Uh, the pad work is an artwork, and it takes years to develop. 
it doesn't make you a coach on a two-day course. It doesn't make you a master of the art within two days. It's a stepping stone towards becoming a greater coach. And the only way you're going to get better at it is if you practice it over and over. Basically, it's, it's keeping um, it's being able to hold pads safely so that they you're not going to injure your client. And you're not going to injure yourself and you're not going to damage your own joints so you can hold pads effectively. Because, again, if in the gym, if you look good holding pads, you're going to get more clients. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. You, it, when, when stuff is happening, I mean, Marlowe's a small gym, but Greg can take up a whole fucking heap of space. And it will just you can hear it no matter where you are. You can't get away from it. And people will be drawn towards it. And that's probably halfway he's probably picked up some of his clients. They're like, oh, shit, that looks cool. When can yeah. I do that? That's and they can see that that when they're boxing with Greg and myself, that they're doing everything. We're really working on technique. You're still getting a good workout. Yeah. Um, but you know, we're working on technique. We want you to look good as a client um, because that makes us look good. We don't want you to hurt yourself, and we want everyone to go out there feeling really good about their session. Um, it's also we tried to we touched on the the VARC model about communication skills with your client as well. I think a lot of courses don't cover that. They'll teach you all this education, but they don't teach you how to deliver it. And cue, like you've got the cue points, but you know everybody's different and their learning manner is different. And we try to really touch on that on the boxology course as well about how to to that person learns differently from that person, and this is how you could probably coach them. So that's really important. Yeah, as it's well. all about your cues, and you know you can transfer it into what you do with your S and C stuff. So you know you'll cue me when I'm doing my deadlift and when to brace and where my position should be correctly, you know, weight over the bar, etc. And then you'll, you'll cue me as well when I'm doing a clean, you know, when, when, when should I, when should I tip so shrug, you know, etc. and pull the bar up, you know, these types of things, when should I breathe? You know, these types of things are all cueing and key points is because if you get that one little error, it's not going to be a great lift. And the same thing for boxing, you get that one little error with footwork, it's not going to be a good punch or it's not going to be a good defensive manoeuvre and you'll be put off balance. So it's for the coach to be able to cue them, how do I throw the, the, the most effective punch and when should I throw it? Um, you know, It's all about timing, it's all about rhythm, it's all about tempo. So it's teaching them to understand that and we, we spoke about it earlier briefly, is that how do you become a good coach and what is a good coach and how do you find a good coach? And one of my pet hates is seeing these coaches in gyms and big multi-chain complexes and, uh, you know, big, big gym companies charging 85 pound or 70 pound upwards. And they're doing and they're delivering a really shit pad session or boxing session, coaching session. And it goes the same with S and C stuff. When you see people trying to coach a deadlift, you know, it's, one, it's a very complex lift, and if they're not coaching it correctly, someone's going to get injured. However, watching people hold pads really shit inspired us to do boxology. <laughs> yeah. Turn it into a silver, it's a silver lining. It's a positive. It is, I'm watching it, I have to see, but it breaks my heart. Like, I can't actually watch it. In fact, I know that even in third space, if I, someone was doing bad pad work, I'd have to go upstairs with my client because it was just getting a lot of, a lot of, martial art coaches or kickboxing coaches and um, because they're obviously they're great with their legs but if they start just doing boxing pads you can see the difference and that that kills my soul so um that it, it did help us but, it's, but it's great yeah like you've you've seen a problem and you've been like fuck it i'm we're just gonna sort it out instead instead of going at these people be yeah. like all right we're gonna give you the facility to get better if you want to take our advice on board that's great then then come do it and you're gonna be a better coach for it I mean, and, and within the course, guys, I mean, obviously you do a lot of like learning systems and how people learn and you hit an audio, visual, kinesthetic learning. Also, there's a shit ton of, I mean, I think what people don't get when they're educating and when they're teaching is teach backs are massive. I realize that people don't like teaching back to a group or to a person, but when you're coaching, you're teaching somebody and realizing that within the course, you're basically, you guys would, would teach, basically be audio, then you'd probably visual can kind of replicate it then we'd learn it ourselves then we'd teach it back so there's something it's something like a 85 percent chance that the person's actually going to get the idea when and put it on when they're going for a teach back um once they've gone through that process it's like a little structural educational pyramid like a learning pyramid so that bit 
was massive for me when I started looking at what you guys were doing and you essentially ticked all the boxes that we'd look at when we're looking at teaching and trying to yeah. make somebody learn a new skill. So from that, an education point, an educator point of view, I thought it was great. So, I mean, people put that into your coaching as well to go audio, visual, just like when, like, uh, when you're coaching, you do like a, uh, I think it's a silent demonstration. Then you ask them to do it and then ask your client to explain. 90. Yeah. To ex- ask your client to explain what you've just done back to you. Yeah. People won't do it though because they're paying for a session. But be like, oh, hang on, I thought we were learning. I'm just working out. But depends if the client wants to do that. But within an educational workshop, Botsology did that for us. So you actually realise, like, all right, what did you actually just do, Tom? Uh, shit, not listen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the teach back thing, especially teaching back to two people that have got forty plus years coaching and in the industry. You can't really say fairer than that from my perspective. I'm sitting here with, I'm doing a podcast with a thousand listeners. I've only got fucking six years, six years of like clientele and then a couple of years like masters and blah, 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 all that rubbish. But yeah, nothing compared to me and, me and Dan put together. We think we've got over tw- just about like 12 to 15 years, but these guys got double what we've got and you listen to us idiots. So 40, yeah. 41, 43, <laughs> 23, you've got 21. I've got 21. 43. Yeah. About 43 words of experience. So you definitely picked up some decent things as you start to go. So I, I mean, think it's, yeah, I could actually expand that a bit more because I started training much earlier and I'm on about co- my coaching. Well, it's not a competition, Kathy. It's fine. So it is. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a competition. So, <laughs> <laughs> but so if we're going to say, um, so when are you taking this? So Boxology, obviously you can get the app now, guys. That could be quite easy. Yeah, we can post that about whenever, like, whenever this is coming Android, out. It's on Android as well. So Android, Apple. If you've got an Android phone, get an iPhone, fuck's sake. And then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Amazon, I've got book. It's, it's on Kindle and on um, printed, printed version as well on the book. Oh, there um, you go. So I would say that would probably be... Up, the, up and running by the end of September. Cool. So that would be probably the best thing to get an eye definitely a view of what it's about so yeah go on amazon and fucking download it it's quite intense if you're old school you can have the hardback copy as well the paperback <laughs> if you're old school. greg's been showing that on the on the video to our 95 percent of our audio listeners that's really helpful yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a yeah school, you see i love books I like. I can't be doing this online reading. It does my. I, I just can't. I just can't do it. It's, I have to print things out rather than read them. And then, then see, this is this is where this is where the the art of the podcast is coming for us. Obviously, yeah. from a teaching not from a teaching point of view, just contact Dan. But is there any plans to do an audio book? Yes, hundred percent. And go. I'm doing the audio on it. I want it to be a she definite Geordie book. It's going to be about a hook, not a hook. You know? Oh, could you just like get Stephen Fry to do it or something like that? I mean, absolutely. You know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. but yeah okay yeah watch out for that then audio book on that note with Stephen Fry actually Kathy's actually an ambassador for his charity mine oh, cool for mine, so maybe yeah. we could maybe we yeah, could yeah you can just try and get him to you can do some yeah fuck it so try and do that that'd be great <laughs> don't ask you don't get Tom that's my that's my point if you don't ask you don't get exactly right that's exactly what you get um so when when are you next running i know you're running internal courses for first base when are you next running external so stuff? external course on the 29th and 30th of september which is the beginner course and then okay. we're hoping to run an intermediate course in november for external coaches um that's we've got a few people booked on that course already on the 29th and 30th okay i think Five spaces left. So five spaces left. Cool. All right. And if people want to go about booking themselves on that course, um, it's Boxology Academy on cool. the website, and um, it'll give you all the information about the course and the dates, etc. And you can book directly through that. And that's in London, yeah. Yeah, it's. Okay. We'll be running at third. <laughs> Sorry, the, the weird so scenario, we've, we've got half our listeners don't live in London, so a lot of them. So, yeah. All, all over the world, we've got, Den- I don't know, where's our, we've got quite a lot of listeners in Denmark for some weird reason, but That's yeah, you cool. can always you can always come back over to London. They, just, they could come yeah. over from Denmark and do the course. <laughs> we yeah, like, we, we like, like the Vikings. Vikings. We like Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> Any English-speaking country that we'll be in, essentially Australia, America, Denmark, across Scandinavia of that kind of connection so yeah we're all over there but yeah if you're in London if you're in Britain then the chances are but also 
if you're a gym owner, then the chances are that these guys will probably come in and teach your trainers. Yeah, There's that's right. Yeah. Definite avenue yeah. for that to happen. And the and course is ready to go. I did it, yeah, probably nine months to a year ago over that maybe. So we actually, we actually got a feature in Leisure Opportunities yes, magazine and yeah. Gym Leisure, management. Leisure, manage, Leisure Management and Gym Owners magazine as well. So you know, you can check that out online. Awesome. And if anybody saw I think the Elitist Performance Expo, uh Kathy normally talks about that nearly every year yeah. now. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, I um, quite a lot of people turn up this time. Um, so it was quite good. We had a quite nice turnout. Um, yeah, and one of the one of the questions actually was when um, when when Kathy was about to talk, it was about the mind of a boxer uh, can be transferred onto everything. Yeah. So what we do with the, obviously the preparation for fighting and stuff, we have to train people's mindsets to be able to cope with this, you know the the pressure of being punched in the face. Um, yeah. And and that that gives you true grit, and, and you can transfer that onto everything because obviously with Kathy being a celebrity boxer, BBC have asked her to do uh, crossings at the Atlantic, Atlantic sailing to try and break the world record and join an, a sailing team and etc. Did you know I did that, Tom? I did not I know you did that. The Atlantic and an attempt to break the world records. Cool. Did, did you do it? Did you achieve it? Did a documentary? No, because we hit, we nearly died, and oh. we hit, we hit bad Atlantic storms, and we are bought with like that, and it nearly went over. We nearly capsized, and um, that was an anti-climate. We, we <laughs> lost, lost the sail, our mainsail ripped in ten different places, but we made it. I mean, I didn't die obviously because I'm here, but um, yeah, we didn't break the world record. But yeah, but they BBC chose me because of, they wanted to see if I could transfer the mindset from boxing onto another sport. Which was totally different than yeah. my sport, which was which I did. So when she gave that speech at the XL, people were wondering, well, what is boxology? Because we 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 obviously plug boxology there as well, and they a lot of people thought it was just like boxer size, yeah, because they don't know the detail and the content that we've included into this. This is this is this is quite a deep detail that we've gone into. Um, and just I just want to also say I forgot to say boxology. Is not a fad thing. It's Queensbury's rules boxing. It's essential boxing. We've not created a new format. We've not created a new thing. Or this is how you should be boxing. This is just essential boxing skill set, and this is why you should be doing it like that. And then obviously we've just integrated our S and C um, experience and how to you know periodization into the, the sort of boxing and and weight section and the mindsets. We brought it all together. Yeah, I think I think this is a recap. It's just basically you put all the the good stuff from boxing into basically a personal training like toolbox, and then that is essentially the stuff that you need to use with clients, and then forget about the other rubbish that you haven't included. So yeah. I think to sum it up, that's what people are going to look at. So to, to to start to bring this show to a little bit of an end, I think what I'd like to know from you guys, especially over the kind of the time that you've been in the industry. Who and I like to ask this of all the guests, just to realise to where people can go follow, um, and if they want to follow your career paths, etc. Who have you like, like say one, two, or three people that um, in the fitness profession, or either coaching wise or athlete wise, um, who have you looked up to or followed or kind of respected their work over the last like twenty years? Ooh. Uh, right, Deep. so it originally, um, on, on the S&C side, originally it was a guy called Peter Marciano, Pete Marciano, okay. I think you've heard of him, but he's been around for years, um, he, he worked quite strongly, he taught Ruben, who is um, David Hayes' S&C coach, um, he was the one that really got me thinking about strength conditioning, um, he used to work at Third Space back in the day, um, so he was the one that obviously opened my eyes to more strength and conditioning. Um, on on an athletic prowess, I've got to say for me, Kelly Holmes is is a, that's why I'm sort of like this when she when she got in touch with me for me to train her. I was like, whoa, hold your yeah. horses! <laughs> you know, I got a really beautiful text from her like literally two days ago to tell me how much I really helped her as well. So that has got to be one of my other proudest moments. Any any like millennials who don't know who Dame Kelly Holmes is? She's eight hundred. Eight hundred, fifteen hundred double gold medalist, right? Double gold medalist. Yeah. She's a flipping legend. Yeah. Tell you something now, even now, she she does she is so ridiculously fit and strong. It's I bet, yeah. I mean, it's phenomenal. 
former ex-military as well. Do so you know what I mean? Has, Her mindset is amazing. Complete, like She's a machine. She's a machine. <laughs> what um, about you, Greg? Anybody you've been looking up to over the last 20? Yeah, well, for me, um, it, it came more from sort of boxing and uh, coaches that I looked up to as boxing coaches. And I spent a lot of time traveling around the world before I met Kathy, trying to look at different boxing gyms in different parts of the world, Australia, New Zealand, you know, even Japan, China. And I, I, I wanted to try and take little bits from how they train people and how they do things in their clubs and and, and, and even working here in the UK with, with certain people and just try and blend it all together, really, and create my style by just adding little bits from different parts of the world. But for me... Having having someone to look up to was would probably be in multiple sports like martial arts and combat sports because they all had good strong attributes to being a good coach. So I didn't have a really just one person that I would look up to. Um, I respected quite a lot of coaches. Um, as far as boxing goes, it would be obviously those that stand out more, which would be people like Freddie Roach, who is a sufferer of Parkinson's, but when he puts the pads on, it goes away. The shakes stop. The, the, you know, he becomes this, this magician that makes people move how they should move as boxers. And, and he's still going today. So if anyone I would look up to, it'd be Freddie Roach um, because he's, he's just a, he's a really nice guy and he's very good at what he does. He's very knowledgeable. He's worked with probably the most champions that we've we've known on the planet including Mike Tyson you know yeah. so he's 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 a he's a true legend boxing coach and you know we've got some great coaches here in the UK I've worked with I'm lucky to have said that I, I I've looked up to and worked alongside Jimmy Tibbs who's a very very good boxing coach and cut man and corner man assists a lot of top coaches in the UK and I, I've learned under him and you know, and, and at the time I was working with Johnny Eames, he's another good boxing coach. So, yeah, I've worked with some good guys. <laughs> I've never had one guy that I looked up to and gone, right, you are the best out of everybody because everybody had good attributes. 100%. I think it'd be naive to say that we'd only only take one person's view. We've talked about that pre-show, right, that you've got to take other people's it's stuff. But education, I think, you know, you get, like, I've done all the Charles Pollock and stuff. I've done the, all the UK stuff. And you take little bits. Yeah, and you, and not all your clients would suit one one sort of system education system because they they, they wouldn't be able to do all that stuff. It wouldn't suit what their what their goals are. Um, with me again, with Adam Booth was my um, trainer through the last eight years. Yeah, my Adam. Boxing I'll, so I'll Adam say Booth Adam um, as well. on a boxing level, and he taught me. Um, my previous boxing coach um, for my first two years was really aggressive. He just slapped me across my face and. Before I fought, I didn't mind that. To be fair, I did, it, it wasn't that, but he, he didn't have that attention to detail that Adam Booth had. When Adam Booth was coaching me, um, in between rounds, and I was fighting, he was really calm, and he, he, he talked to me. He got down at my level. He talked to me. I learned a lot about communication skills. Um, to Adam, when you're speaking to a fighter, that you don't just scream and shout at them. Yeah. You, you, now and again, you're going to have a bit of a, like, a go at them when they're not fixing up. But on a general, I'll come down and sit on their level and really speak calmly with them, which is what Adam Booth had taught me as well. And his anatomy was very good as well with Adam. You know, he used to be a lecturer for Premier Premier Training, so he used He's to give very lectures. Knowledgeable. Very knowledgeable about the anatomy of the body. He knew he knew everything. He's, you know, he's very, very good at that. So anatomical as well as when it came to strategies of combinations to throw and, um, okay, your opponent works this way, your opponent does this at certain intervals during the round, then you need to do this at this time. So yeah. he's very good at that. Um, so, yeah, I would say, I would say, Adam. Decent. Amazing, guys. I think we'll start to bring this show to an end. So I think we've got enough fucking content out of you, well over an hour. So if people want to kind of get in contact with either Greg or Kathy, both, I think, I mean, everybody's on Instagram or Facebook Kathy or whatever. Brown Boxer, Instagram, Kathy Brown Boxer, <laughs> Kathy Brown Boxer, Twitter. 
And Greg's the best strength on everything as well. All yes. Boxology Academy on Twitter, Boxology Academy Facebook, and Boxology Academy Instagram. Blam. Easy. Easy oh, as that, okay. all right? And as soon as this show goes out, obviously, mine and Dan's Instagrams will have it on. Uh, go on either of our stories where we'll post the links up. Um, if you want to go on any of these websites, just look in the bio. It'll be straight on one of ours when we're there. Okay, so um, thanks, guys. Marks, otherwise, I'll hunt you down and I'll, I'll, I'll eat your dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, so yeah, go download their book. Go download their app. Go fucking sign up for their course. If you are generally interested in their boxing stuff and you don't want to reach out to them, Shit tons of you always reach out to me about education courses, so I will quite happily ask them questions on your behalf. Um, so, yeah, guys, thanks for coming on. That's my pleasure. Uh, thank you, Tom. Thank you. Absolute, thank you. absolute pleasure. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week with Dan, obviously. Dan's changed his Instagram handle to Biceps Banter, so uh, that's his YouTube video. If, uh, I'm scared of Kathy Browning. <laughs> <laughs> I think at the moment he's doing he's been doing like eating challenges with uh Mike Harrison, a fellow bodybuilder. So yeah. it's been it's been quite funny because actually it's been like, like a man versus food. I think it's some it's like a man versus food kind of thing and then like um I know like I don't know bro sciencey kind of stuff at the moment so a lot of people that listen obviously watch the YouTube channel. Um and yeah there was also a, a a, uh, a YouTube show of him uh, having a drink and both of them drinking. But Dan doesn't drink very often, and it's quite yeah. funny. He's a lightweight. He is an absolute lightweight. And uh, we discussed what he actually drinks, and fuck all is basically what he drinks. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's quite funny. All right. Um, thanks for coming on, guys. And me and Dan will catch you guys next week. Hi, Dan.